Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning to, to receive that endless love that you provide for us. To, we are here offering ourselves up to worship you, Lord, because we need that love. We need it desperately. We think, Lord, of the many times in our life that we've run away, run away from your call. We just ask this morning, Lord, that, that we would find the strength and find that tiny mustard seed of faith that we need to stay with you, Lord, and to love you and to honor you with our daily lives, with our walk in this world and the many things that distract us from you, Lord, that, that we would be there for you because you are always there for us. We think this morning, Lord, of, of people within our congregation that, that are struggling. We think of Chuck and this problem he has with the breathing, Lord, and we just pray that you would put breath in his lungs. Let him breathe easy today, Lord. Help him through this time of healing that he is going through with his shoulder. And He's just had the last year and a half have been a real struggle for him, Lord, and I just pray a prayer of strength and support for him. We think of Ed and Margaret, Lord, and the troubles that they're going through, then just pray that you would be with them. And so many more, Lord, the list is long of those of us that, that are going through troubles, Lord. And we just pray that, that you would be with them and give them all strength. And we think of uh, uh, Ashley, and, and uh, they're going to get this new uh, uh, little girl. And we just pray for safe travels. And we pray that there would be no complications as we know that process of adoption is always so complicated, Lord. And we just pray that there would be no roadblocks, nothing that would get in the way of bringing that little girl home, Lord, so that they can love her and give her the life that she deserves. We just pray this morning, Lord, as Bernie brings the message to us that, that the words that you have for him would speak to our hearts and carry us through this next week, Lord. I just pray and ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to come way up here. Makes me feel taller. Maybe? Are you there? Oh, I can't make this bigger. Hang on. I'll make myself... Never mind. How you doing? Whoops. There. There. Now I'm getting it. One second, Bernie. Uh, the children are dismissed. I knew that. Ministers. I knew that. Thanks. I was getting there. All right. How you doing? Is it, did it snop, stop snowing? Nobody knows? Snow's done. Okay, we can stay longer then. Right? <laughs> So here's the question I want, to I want you to be thinking about this morning. What are you for? What are you for? Think about that for a second. I, you know, you, you, you got me earlier because you talked about, um, about what I've preached on before and continuing that, and I'm sitting there going, what did I preach on before? When was I here last? And so I actually, I try to keep things in files as to what I preached where and stuff. And, 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 and so consequently, I, try, I, I actually try not to repeat things. 
I mean, you wouldn't want me to repeat something I did the last time I was here, would you? I mean, I wouldn't. And so I'm like, my goodness. And, and I think that I did a series on living like Jesus. Living like Jesus would live, okay? I don't think this really is any different from that. I think this piggybacks that idea. And, and I guess there is a theme in my life that I constantly follow. And it, it sort of follows this idea of what are you for, or the idea of what are you going to leave behind, right? I love the idea of reckless love. I really, really do, because I think that we all have this reckless side of us. How many go Black Friday shopping? Oh, come on, be honest. And some of you are reckless in that. I have been in the parking lot with you. I know, okay? You're nuts. How many, how many are reckless with, about Super Bowl Sunday? <coughs> I don't even know who's playing. I really don't. Someone said they're two red teams. Okay. I don't know who that is. I, you know, it's not the Steelers. I don't care. Just simple as that. So... In, 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 uh, in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says this. He said, he was coming from the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he said to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you, who do you say that I am? And, and so the question of who was Jesus? Who, who, what was Jesus for? You ever thought about that? What was he for? Perhaps a, a different way of doing that is what am I for? What are we for as a group, as a body of believers? What are we for? Who am I? Who are we? All of these questions are extremely important because who we are and what we, f- are, we are for is always evident whether or not you think about it or don't think about it. I brought up a hat with me because I look cool. Huh? Now, with this hat, what does it say that I'm for? What does it say about me as a person besides that I'm handsome and debonair? Now, I got to tell you, this hat cost me 72 cents in the Goodwill store. What does that say about me? How many want to go shopping with me? Right? Everything about what we do, what we say, the way we part our hair or don't part our hair, the way we curl our mustache or the way we dress, what kind of clothes we wear, says something about us. And you know, it's interesting because I don't know when the last time I was here, but I can tell you, I, I know some of you well enough to know that you are pretty standard, standard in what you wear. It says something about, about you. I've had people ask me, why is it that I wear the same type of pants all the time, often zip-offs, always nylon. I rarely wear jeans. 
I am very particular about some things. I have, I was thinking about this, um, how many are particular about their phones and electronics? How many know what this is? <laughs> Teenagers will. AirPods. Why? I am particular. Who we are, who we are is reflected in so many different things. And I think what Jesus was saying was, I don't think that Jesus was necessarily wanting to know whether or not what and who he was was getting across, but he wanted to hear it from others. Who do you say that I am? What do you see? What do you hear? What are you experiencing? And one of the things about us as Christians is we should be looking at ourselves to ask the question, what am I portraying to the world and to others around me? Is it ultimately what I want them to hear? What about in my dress? What about in how I look? I can tell you that I'm peculiar. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. Um, by the way, that hat, my wife said, wonderful, great hat, great price. How many are you going to get rid of? What does that mean? I've got a lot of hats. A lot of hats. It's, it's like shoes. How many shoes does a person need to be complete? What was that? 60? Did I hear the word 60? Do I? How many? I, I said this in the earlier service. How many of you people go in to the closet and open up the doors and have to push on the hangers to get them apart? Because you've got so many shirts, so many pairs of pants or slacks or whatever that it's like, I, 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 I'm just amused at myself because part of this message is messing me up. I, I, was, I don't wear short sleeve shirts even in the summertime. I rarely do. And yet I've got a few and I was looking at them today. I shouldn't tell, my wife is here, she'll hear this and she'll keep me on task. But I was thinking I should get rid of some of those because I never wear them. I might want to someday, so that's why I keep them. Right? You can identify with that, right? So this whole question of who am I? Who are we? What am I for? And what are we for is, I think, really important when we are considering our walk with Christ. What am I willing to do and where am I willing to go in this thing that God is calling me to? You see, I think the answer to the question of, of what am I for, who are what are we for, uh, is an important question. And I think it depends on who's asking. I think it depends on the context in which it's being asked. But many people ask that question, perhaps the question ought to be, what is your purpose in life? And, and you know, there's a lot of people that don't know what their purpose is. They don't have one. They go about life aimlessly. They have no thought about what their decisions are causing and going to create for them for a lifetime. This is what Jesus said in, also in Matthew chapter six. 
wherever your treasure is, there is also the desire of your heart, or there the desires of your heart will also be. What does that mean? Who we are on the inside will come out in what we do, what we say, how we act, how we behave. Is that good? Not always. Not always. I was in, uh, <clears throat> I was in the, the driver place, you know, where you get your license, and I went to this guy there, I won't mention his name, who sits in this church, <clears throat> and he told me I did not have all of the right material. He told me today that I acted very professionally and Christian-like and just said, okay, thank you. He didn't hear my insights. I'm going, what? Do you know what I had wrong? This is, to me, sort of funny. I had my original social security card that I got at birth, or almost. But I didn't have the rest of it. So I had to go get and, and get a new one, and I got it. I'll be back. I'll be back. But he, he shared with me this morning how some people react and respond, and they're not pleasant, are they? No. Over a simple thing like, and I heard it. My wife had to do this. She was at someone else. She had to get a different marriage license than the one the pastor gave her 55 years ago because it is not a sealed, stamped, correct copy. And so we had to go through the process. And New York State does it different than Pennsylvania. Well, what's my point? My point is, is that who we are and, and comes out in what we do. It's like sweat glands. Our, it just comes out. It oozes out. And you get behind someone in a checkout line or, or in a, a situation where you're being held up and your patience is being tested, and who you are will come out. And the problem is, do you like it? Do you like that person? Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I don't know about you. I don't like being tested. I'm I'm in the process of buying a new truck, a, a new used truck, a new truck to me. Tomorrow I'm going to Virginia, and I'm leaving the truck and the transaction until Friday. I said to my wife on the way here, I said, I think I'm going to go look at the truck and crawl underneath it. She goes, leave the truck alone. Just leave it alone. It will still be there when you get home. I said, I know. That's why I didn't cancel my trip to Virginia. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, is my natural bent, my natural instinct is to rush things. My natural bent and instinct is to hurry things along, help things along. I don't, how many like waiting? Anybody here? No, you don't. (laughs) We don't like to wait. It's frustrating. I was looking at, I I was looking, I I belong to a zipper club on on, uh, Facebook. It's for people who have had, had open heart surgery. And, and, I re, and, and I see posts like, my heart, open heart surgery is scheduled for February 23rd. And I'm going, oh man, you gotta wait three weeks. Oh, that is agonizing, right? 
I know, I had to do that. I had to wait. Not that long, but I had to wait. And, and it's like, what can happen in between then and now, right? So <clears throat> the reality of what Jesus is saying is that what you value, what you deem important, what you find significant will be what motivates you. In other words, desires like pride, like money, prestige, value, worth, all of those things can be what's motivating your actions and behavior. And the problem is, is that it's not always pure. It's, it's very self-focused. And the thing about what Jesus was asking of, who do you say I am, one of the things that we, we know and understand was that Jesus was for what? You and me. That's the thing about reckless love. See, I needed that song. You didn't know that. His recklessness was about others. And the question about what am I for, what are we for, the question is, am I for others? Are other people important? Are my neighbors really important? You see, the, the very thing that motivates and propels us forward can also be the same things that bring us disappointment and failure. If I, what motivates me is getting up and going to work in a specific job and a specific profession, those things will end. Those things will no longer sustain us. You know I've mentioned I have three daughters. Those three daughters do no, long, no longer live at home. Now, on one hand, I say, praise God. <laughs> right? But on the other hand, it, it's lonely sometimes. It's nice having them around. Still, they start telling me what I should or shouldn't do, because you know, Dad, you're getting older, and Mom's not getting any younger either. The question of what are we for comes out in ways that maybe we really need to look at. I think that if you look at a cross-section of great people that have ever lived, one of the things that you'll find is they had a thing in common, and that is, is that they valued people. I've been reading there's a book called Four, and I, I think it was written by a Henderson. It's an awesome book because part of what they're talking about is that, is that good leaders are for the people that they're leading. And, and, and the reality is if you're only interested in the product, then who you are leading recognize that and feel that. I was thinking... I don't know if I told my wife this. The other day I came home from a meeting. I had gone to the Pittsburgh area to meet with someone and I came home and my plan was, was to let my wife know how much I'm for her. Okay, that was my plan. I, maybe I didn't tell you this. My wife is sitting here. That's Helen. I'm Bernie. Burn in hell. That's okay. So, <laughs> Debbie, you won't forget us. Okay. And, 
That was my plan. I wanted my wife to know how much I'm for her. I mean, one of the things we're going on vacation, uh, how do retired people go on vacation? Anyway, we're going four to six, eight weeks. We're going to go out and west and travel and do some stuff. And she's been out walking with me a mile and a half, and she's, you know, going the extra mile with me and doing the whole thing. And I want to know how much I appreciate that. I am for you. I'm rooting for you. I know this is difficult for her. This is not, she is not an, extra, uh, an exercise person, right? I mean, that, yeah, I mean, the exercise is like, nah, I'll, I'll watch her YouTube, thank you very much. You know, and so she's doing that, and I wanted to tell her that. And I came home, and I was a grump. In fact, I was such a grump that I didn't want to talk to her because I was angry. And, and I was afraid if I talked to her, I'd my inners would be just go out there and I'd say things that I didn't want to say and then I'd have to deal with that. And so we didn't talk until the next day. And, and my point is, is that, is that who I was, what I was for and what I was trying to do, I couldn't do. Because my nature, my internal nature was I was stuck in a place. And it may have been partly because of the situation that I was dealing with uh, that I was then bringing home. And we do that sometimes. We bring our, our work home, and it's, and it's waiting on us. And so I had to wait. And, and I had to wait in, in describing and sharing with my, with my wife that I'm for you. I'm rooting for you. And you see, I think we need to do that with people around us. I think we need to do that with our children and our grandchildren. In our case, our great-grandchildren. We went to a birthday party for our great-granddaughter. She turned nine, and we walked in the the church where they were holding it. And we walked in, and her two brothers saw us and ran to us and grabbed me and my legs. And, Papa Rad, you're here! Papa Rad, hey! And then she comes running over, and I'm like, yeah. Why? Because I want them to know that I'm what? I'm for them. I'm excited for them. I, I, wanna, I want them to see Jesus in me. See, what you are for will be played out through, throughout your life, whether you're aware of it or not. It'll be demonstrated in how you treat others, both personally and professionally. But sometimes... What we're for is about things. About things. I had a, my grandfather, the only grandfather I ever met, the only thing I know about him was I came up on the porch and he swung his cane at me and told me to get off. What was he for? Wasn't for me. And sadly, I'd talked to my other brothers and sisters, there's eight of us, and they all basically have had the same experience. That's pretty bad. And I must have been three or four years old because he died shortly thereafter. You see, I think that if, if we're really going to look at this issue of what, I'm, what am I for it's, and, and what are we for, it's going to have to start with who? Me. And, and, and we all have to take that finger and go, it has to start with me. Because if I want to be for change, the change has to start right here, right where I am, in my life, in the things that I do, in the things that I say. That's one of the reasons I am really, really careful about what I say on Facebook. 
You know why? Because you can't see my facial expression when I say it. You can't see my eyes when I say it. You can't see my body language and my gestures when I say it. And the other thing is, I want you to know that I'm for Jesus. I'm, I'm not for other things. This other stuff? There's going to be an eternity without the stuff that we have in our society. And that to me is what I need to communicate. I need to communicate that I love people. I, I just got a thing this morning that I, and I thought it was interesting. Let me, um, someone sent me this this morning and it was about the church um, and the LGBT community. And, and it was about people who are leaving Christianity churches. And this is what it's interesting, what I saw that just really spoke to me. The LGBTs are open to returning to the church at a rate of 67% higher than the average American. Why? And that was the question that was being presented to me. Why? And I said, I think that the reason is because we are a community of faith. And because we're a community of faith, it gives identity and substance to who we are. And that has value. And when I'm struggling with my identity and who I am, I'm looking for a place to land that I can feel secure and, and, and feel the love of others in a manner that gives me hope. And Jesus, well, let me see. I think his name is Hope, isn't it? You see? And so who we are gives value to other people because of, because of our relationship with the creator in heaven of earth. And, and when you talk to others about the recklessness of God, the recklessness of his son, you're saying that Jesus will go to any length, to any place to find you. And he will. And he will not condemn you. He will not find fault with you. He'll love you. I think it's ironic that the woman at the well, in all of her stuff, was not one that the religious would have gone to. But Jesus went, and Jesus said, what you're looking for? Now, I don't think he quoted the country song, what you're looking for in all the wrong places. Remember that song? I think he said, what you're looking for? I am. I am the one you're looking for. Now, I don't know how all that played out, but, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't a place that the, but the, that, that, that the religious people uh, cherished because, because he, he wasn't who they wanted. Look, oops, wrong way. Jesus said what? I, I came down from heaven to do what? To do my own thing, man. No, he came down to do the will of the Father who sent me. Not to do my own will. And what was the will of the Father? Jesus, I want you to go and seek and save that which are lost. I want you to go and seek people, my people, who are called by my name. I want them. Draw them. Bring them. I have a house. It's got many mansions. All of that stuff. And, and the thing is, is that, is that that was the purpose of Christ. You see, who or what you are will be played out in everything you do and say. 
I think a good exercise is, and this is not always easy, but a good exercise is to stand in front of the mirror in the morning and say, who are you really? Look at yourself and say, who are you? I've done that with people and I've actually had people break down because they cannot, they do not like what they see. The reality of who they are is not something they want to admit. But that's the starting point. That's the starting point. What kind of a husband are you? What kind of a wife are you? What kind of a brother, a sister, an employee? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I think the other thing is you have to ask God. You want to know how you are? Ask others and ask God. Ask your spouse, honey, who do you say I am? Who am I in your eyes? What would you think I should be working on? Be ready to hear that. You may not like it, but be ready. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus went to others and said, who do you say I am? Not because I think he needed course correction, but as it was important for them to understand It was important for them to hear that he wasn't just there for them, he was there for the world. This is what I love about asking God. This is Psalm 139. You have searched me, God, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways before I... Word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. I love that because, you know what? You ever mouth run before your brain got engaged? Yeah, I've been there. My mouth has said things and I'm going, as it's going out, I'm going, you're in trouble. Why? Well, who knows what's going out before, before you do? God does. Who can change you? God can. Who can convict you? God can. But you have to bring it to him. You have to ask the question, Lord, is there something in me that you want changed? That doesn't mean you're going to like it. How many likes are like a root canal? Not me. I I like, you know, I got grandchildren and, and they're all married and having kids, we're going to have 20 great-grandchildren by the end of this year. I mean, by July, I guess, right? And, and, And it's like, you know, guys say, honey, let's have a baby. It will be fun. Yeah. No, not fun. I was having a donut and coffee, and, and I don't know who it was, but someone's little child went running off and, and through a set of open doors, and they were gone. Pew. And next thing I know, Mom goes, wait a minute, and off she goes, right? And, and the toddler is just having a good time exploring. And Mom's life was interrupted. In fact, I think that for most of you moms, your life is interrupted from the day you give birth. I don't know as it ends... Our, our, our oldest daughter is 54 years old. That makes us pretty old. We got married in second grade, but what can I tell you? <laughs> but the thing is, no, my point is this, though, you know? I mean, 
the heartaches of children go on, don't they? It's not an age thing. It's, it's, it's something. But who I am, who we are as parents, is very vital and important to the growth and the well-being of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. When you have 54-year-old children coming to dad and mom for seeking advice and wisdom, that's a good thing. We ought to be, we ought to be moving in that direction all the time. So, so here it is. Here's the prayer. Search me, O God. And, oh, by the way, this is in the Bible. It's awesome. I don't have to write it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me into a way of everlasting. Listen, what we live with, we learn. What we learn, we practice. What we practice, we become. That's a reality. The problem is that's not always a good thing. My wife said to me on the way here, she goes, you know what? Being Italian, I am just hot-blooded, I mean hot-tempered, I am all of that. And I said, if you'd grown up in a, Jew, in a German home, you'd be the same way if that's the way they lived. It has nothing to do with being Italian. It's growing up in the environment that you grew up in. I knew her father, her mother, her sisters and sister and brothers. And her brother, her oldest brother, was a hot, tempered, short little guy who, who I had the pleasure of leading to Christ. Here's the question. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Now, I, I'm not looking for an answer. I think that's a question that you ponder. I think that's a question that, that you think about and pray about what do I want to be known for? Do I want to be known as a peacemaker? Do I want to be known as someone who loves? And, and, and I think ultimately the question, if that's what you, whatever that answer is, the, the follow-up question, and I don't think I have it up here, the following question is, how's it working for you right now? How's that working for you? Because, because if you want to be known as a person who loves others... Where are you on a scale of one to 10, Annette? How's it working? One of the things with that is do what Jesus did. Ask others, ask someone else. What do they see? What do you see? I want to be known by love. What do you see? If you're missing the mark, then identify one thing you could do to get on track. If, if you want to get here and you're missing that, then what do you need to do today that will get you closer to that. You see, the problem is, the problem is, is that, is, is that we really don't think of things in that kind of way, that we, that we need to find steps that we can take to get us to a certain level. If you've ever run, well, I shouldn't say it that way. In running marathons, marathons is about training. And, and the thing about training is that you cannot and probably cannot go out and run a marathon today. Okay, you're not going to do it. In fact, you probably can't even go out and run 26.4 miles. But if you work at it, if you go out today and try to get a mile in, you will get there. 
if you keep working at it, keep chipping away at it. And, and it's not about finishing it in, in two hours and 15 minutes. It's about what? Finishing. Finishing. And we are going to one day finish. This life will end. The question that, that perhaps I think about the most is, is the question that, or, the, or the thing that God will say to me when I arrive there. I like the idea that, that I hope I arrive like the guy at home plate, sliding and, and just whoosh, in a cloud of dust, and in there, I've made it. Not in a, in like I've stolen home base, right? But in a sense that I'm spent. I've used up everything, and I've arrived. And God says, well done. Well done. As we go to communion, I want you to think about the fact that what we're celebrating is what Jesus was for us. His sacrifice was for us. What he did in his body was for us. Are you hurting and broken within?